In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This summer I had the privilege of spending three glorious days on Aaron. On I- sorry, on Iona. On our way there, we stayed overnight and opened where we'd some time to admire the sights. The most prominent landmark, of course, is the building up on the hill that looks a bit like the Colosseum in Rome. But it's just an empty shell. It was started in 1897 by a local banker and was meant as a lasting monument to his family. It was supposed to be a great grand building with lots of public rooms where they could entertain people. But it was never finished, for he died five years later, with only the outer walls complete. The empty shell of his tower has, lasted for, has stood for over 100 years as one vain man's attempt to create a lasting legacy. And of course, we all know it as McCaig's folly. He'd no doubt calculated the financial cost, but he'd not factored in his own mortality. Ten years ago, a prime minister sent armed forces into a foreign country on the basis of false evidence and with no clear exit strategy, resulting in the loss of countless lives in an extended conflict that was never anticipated. A foolish leader sent his troops into battle instead of seeking terms of peace. He miscalculated the true cost of his decision. Once again, a world leader considers military intervention overseas and must carefully count the cost. These modern examples help to highlight the point Jesus was making in today's Gospel reading. He was stressing the importance of calculating the cost before committing to a course of action. In his case, it was specifically the cost of Christian discipleship and the sacrifices that it may involve. In order to understand the true meaning of the passage, of what Jesus was saying, and just as importantly, what he was not saying, it's helpful to consider the context in which he said it. He was on his way to Jerusalem, accompanied by a huge crowd of people, a real mixture of folk, who'd heard his message and followed him. They were united in their belief that he was the saviour of their nation. But they differed in their hopes and expectations. Many of them saw him as building a new kingdom of Israel, with himself as the new King David on the throne, and the temple, the house of God, at its heart. Hence the building analogy in our reading. Others thought he was leading them to a glorious victory over the occupying Roman forces 
hence the military analogy in our reading. Jesus was challenging those false perceptions, for he knew exactly what awaited him. Not a crown, but a cross. There are two key verses in the passage we read. Verse 27 says, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus can never be accused of being economical with the truth. He told it straight, using vivid images that often shocked his listeners. You see, they were only too well aware of what carrying a cross meant. As they'd witnessed so many people, it was almost a daily occurrence, the condemned carrying their cross to the site of crucifixion as a clearly visible sign of total submission to the earthly power of Rome. We can draw a parallel, perhaps, between submission to the earthly power of Rome and submission to the divine will of God. Some of the people in that crowd might even have been pressed into service to carry the cross for a weakened prisoner, as Simon of Cyrene was for Jesus. So that if we are uncomfortable with the idea of submission, perhaps we can see it a rather a service to our neighbor. Jesus was telling them and us that discipleship means a life of obedience to God and service to others. It means putting God's plans for our lives before our own and the needs of others before our own selfish desires. Are we willing to do that for Jesus and follow his example? We're trying, but it's not easy, is it? However, he never promised that it would be. The other verse I would like to highlight is verse 33, where he says, So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This reminds us, doesn't it, of Jesus' reply to the rich young man who asked him how he could gain eternal life. And Jesus told him to sell all his possessions and give them to the poor. But that doesn't mean that all Christians have to give up their possessions and give them to the poor. It does, however, mean that we have to make sacrifices. The rich young man was told to sell all his possessions and give the money to the poor because he was more attached to his wealth and his possessions than he was to Jesus or to his fellow human beings. And what Jesus still asks each one of us is this. What's your most prized possession? Are you willing to give it up for me if necessary? You see, we're all attached to something, aren't we? Could be our house or our car, our TV or our music system, the latest kitchen gadgets or DIY tools, trendy clothes or smartphones, foreign holidays or nights out. But the key question is whether or not we would be willing to give them up if called upon to do so. Jesus is asking, what's your most precious possession? 
Would you give it up if I asked you to? You see, we should never be so attached to our earthly possessions that we can't let go of them for the greater prize of spiritual riches. In all the major decisions of our lives, we count the cost beforehand. The most obvious example is our home. We carefully calculate how much we can afford and what sacrifices we're willing to make to have the home we want. Similarly, in choosing what career to follow, especially nowadays, young folk must calculate the considerable cost very carefully before embarking on a course of further study. I well remember envying friends who were earning while I was struggling to get by on a student grant. But I have to say it was worth the sacrifice. Another momentous decision we make is the choice of the person with whom we will share our lives. Do you know the most common cause of disagreement in marriages is money? It's therefore wise to have considered financial matters beforehand. Love may be blind, but life is not, as harsh reality soon intervenes and we realize that we have to give up some of our former freedom to please our beloved. In all three cases, home, career, and marriage, we're making a long-term investment that will involve sacrifices. But we're willing to take that risk because we feel the benefits we will enjoy will make it worth it. So how much more true is it of our decision to follow Jesus and lead a Christian life. Jesus himself was about to pay the ultimate price demanded of him. So he was warning his followers not to expect a smooth passage, but opposition, scorn, rejection, even by family, and sacrifices that they would be called to make. You know, the crowd following Jesus was not unlike the average church congregation. A mixture of the curious, the loosely attached, and the fully committed. Few, if any, of us will face suffering or death for our faith. But there will always be a cost to ourselves, a cross to bear. You see, we each of our own unique cross because we've different strengths and weaknesses and so we will be asked to make different sacrifices. Jesus warns us that we may lose some of the things we value most on earth like worldly goods or separation from family but it will be a price worth paying for the greater spiritual blessings that we will enjoy here and now on earth and the riches of eternity in heaven. He promises to be with us every step of the way and asks us for our total commitment. May God grant us the courage to be true disciples of Christ, whatever the cost, the humility and compassion to help each other to bear 
our crosses. And the passion to reach out to all God's children in love so that his will may be done on earth and his kingdom come here on earth as in heaven. Amen. Thanks be to God and to his name be the glory and praise now and always. As we pause to consider what I've been saying, I would like to read a poem to you called The Cross. This is my gift, he said, the cross on which I bled. Its weight you cannot bear unless I'm also there, as in my steps you tread. Once an emblem of shame, this is transformed by my name. Its curse I've lifted, its glory I've gifted, to kindle in you love's flame. I carried this cross before you, on it willingly bore you. For your life I pleaded, Abba, my prayer heeded. Carry it now, I implore you. Take this sign of my reign, do not shrink from its pain. Love's wounds bring healing. Mercy and grace revealing.